In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Maggie and Connor, I need you. power I have. <laughs> Good morning. Did you do your competition yesterday? I mean, your recital? You know, I, saw, I know. I saw, huh? You saw it too? Were you here? No, but I saw it on the video. I saw it on the video too. <laughs> yeah, no, your dad's proud of you. That's why he sends it to everybody. You did really well. Your hand's over here. This hand's over here, and this hand's over here, and you're doing all these things over here. I, I can only stay in one clef at a time, usually treble. Bass gives me problems. But, and I sing bass clef over here, so really weird. But anyway, so you did a good job. So we're, we're coming, to, uh, coming really close to the end of the church year, aren't we? Yeah, yeah this is the next Sunday is the last Sunday of our church year. It's the end of the year for us. And, and it's Christ the King Sunday next week. And then we start over by preparing our hearts and our minds and the church and the world and everyone for the coming of Christ. And so um, we realize today, especially with the gospel lesson that Deacon Kathy just read, that things come to an end. The year's coming to an end. Um, sunlight comes to an end at the end of the day, doesn't it? Uh, what else comes to an end? Um, Lots of, lots of things come to an end. Um, our lives. Yeah, our lives come to an end. And, but but well, there's a new beginning for us on the other side of death, right? A new beginning. But, but a lot of things come to an end. But there's one thing that doesn't come to an end. Do you know what that is? Jesus. Yeah, that's right. God Almighty. Jesus does not come to an end. His promises do not come to an end. Jesus doesn't say, you know, I'm going to be with you for three weeks and then after that you're on your own. He doesn't say that. I'm, I'm going to be with you forever. I'll be with you and I'll, I'll protect you and I'll keep you in my name and I will be in you and you will be in me forever, forever, forever. Everything comes to an end, but the promises of God never come to an end. We can trust that always and forever. It doesn't mean he's not going to make life it doesn't mean he's going to make life easy for us we still have to go through life's problems and the darkness sometimes that's in this world we have to walk through it the good thing is he takes us by the hand and walks with us through it and he leads us home as we were saying he leads us home to where we're going to be with him forever so yes everything comes to an end except god almighty he is forever and ever and ever and he has given us the opportunity when he adopted us as his children, as Christian children, to be with him forever. That's the good news. Okay, that's all. Oh, thank you, Jason. Good job, buddy.
So today I want to begin by looking at the gospel lesson. And yes, there will be some humor inside of the sermon. I'm not starting with humor. Some say I never do, but um, I am beginning with the gospel lesson today, looking at the magnificence of the temple. And then I'm going to move straight into talking a little bit about stewardship since this is the day we honor God by returning our commitment cards, what we call our giving cards, our pledge cards, uh, in the offering plate here in just a few moments. Uh, Yogi Berra once said, the future ain't what it used to be. And I think this especially holds true to most predictions about the future. Listen to some of the predictions from the past and all from people who who were trusted individuals. Prediction, Thomas Watson, chairman of IBM back in 1943 said, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. Popular Mechanics Magazine in 1949 made this prediction where a calculator on the ENIAC, which was the world's first electronic digital computer, is equipped with 18,000 vacuum tubes and weighs 30 tons, computers in the future may have only 1,000 vacuum tubes and weigh only one and a half tons. No wonder my back hurts so much carrying my computer around. Prediction, there was an inventor by the name of Lee DeForest. He claimed that while theoretically and technically television may be feasible, Commercially and financially, it is an impossibility. The Decca Recording Company made a big mistake when they made this prediction. We don't like their sound, and guitar music is on the way out. That was their prediction in 1962 concerning a few lads from Liverpool whose band was called the Beatles. Another prediction that had been made a few years ago 2009, Hollywood began saying, we have only three years left until the apocalypse, until the end of the world. Hollywood, who is always, of course, a reliable scientific spiritual source, was basing its prediction on the ancient Mayan long count calendar. This is a calendar which correctly predicted an astonishing number of other astrological and mathematical events which had also carefully calculated the end of the world to be on December the 21st, 2012. That didn't happen. One final prediction. As the disciples were walking out of the temple in Jerusalem, Jesus paused and he looked back at the temple and he turned to his disciples and predicted, do you see all these great buildings? Not one stone will be left on another. To the disciples, this was a totally soul-shaking moment. Nothing could bring down these walls. Look, teacher, what are you talking about? Look at these massive stones, they said to Jesus. Now, you, you maybe need to know, the smallest stones in the structure were maybe two to three tons. Many of them weighed 50 tons. The largest existing stone part of the Wailing Wall today weighs hundreds of tons. The stones were so immense that neither mortar 
nor any other binding material was used between the stones. Their stability was attained by their great weight alone. They didn't need anything between them. And these walls towered over Jerusalem. Inside those four walls was 45 acres of bedrock mountain, shaved flat. And during Jesus' day, a quarter of a million people could fit comfortably inside the structure. There's no sports structure in America today that even comes close. You can understand then why those disciples might have been surprised. As they walked down the Kidron Valley and back up to the Mount of Olives, Peter and James and John and Andrew, they wanted to hear more. Jesus' prediction that a structure so immense, so great, so remarkable would be leveled to the ground just seemed implausible to them. They wanted to know when, what would be the sign that this was about to take place. And their voice was fear. Fear that leaves that their lives were about to change forever, which indeed they were. Forty years later, one generation, that prediction came true. In 70 AD, the temple was totally destroyed by Rome, the city of Jerusalem and the temple. I mean, just try to place yourself in first century Jerusalem. From anywhere in the city, you can look up and you can catch a glimpse of the temple. It had been the center of their national life for a thousand years. In the temple, the Jews sacrificed, they confessed their sins, they gave their first fruits of the harvest, their tithes, they yearly sacrificed the lamb for the nation's sin. It was here that Passover and Pentecost and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles and the Feast of Weeks, all of these feasts were celebrated. The temple was the central place of their life and worship. The temple to them was of supreme importance. This was God's building. But I wonder, did the building, did the temple itself become more important to the people than the one they worshipped? I'll tell you a quick story about Joseph Haydn from the 18th century. It was in his later years. On a special evening at the Vienna Music Hall, his oratorio, The Creation, was being performed. As the majestic work moved along, the audience was caught up with tremendous emotion. When the passage, and there was light, was reached, the chorus and the orchestra burst forth in such power that the crowd could no longer uh, restrain its enthusiasm. The vast assembly, they rose together. They gave spontaneous applause in the middle of the oratorio. Haydn, weakened by age, confined to a wheelchair, struggled to stand, and he motioned for silence. And with his hand pointed toward heaven, he said, No, no, not from me, but from thence comes all. 
And having given the glory and the praise to the creator, he fell back into his chair exhausted. Perhaps that's the lesson Jesus would have his disciples learn. Perhaps that's the lesson Jesus would have us, his disciples, learn. Haydn directed the crowd's attention away from his own talents of producing beautiful music to God's majesty. Whether a great oratorio or a temple devoted to God, neither deserves our devotion. Only the one from thence comes all. And my friends, this is what stewardship is all about. You've heard me say this for the last 27, 28 years. Nothing stands in front of God. God is always first in line. Nothing takes the place of God in our lives, not our businesses, not our possessions, not our money, not our church building, not our families. Only God comes first. Always, always, always. God comes first. There is nothing bigger than God. Now, several years ago, Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks, they did a comedy skit together called The 2013-Year-Old Man. And in the skit, Reiner is the TV interviewer and Brooks is this old Jewish gentleman. And at one point, Reiner asks the old man, did you always believe in the Lord? And Brooks replied, no, we had a guy in our village named Phil, and for a time we worshipped him. And Reiner said, you worshipped a guy named Phil? Why? And Brooks said, because he was big and mean, and he could break you in two with his bare hands. Reiner said, did you have prayers? And Brooks said, yes, would you like to hear one? Oh, Phil, please don't be mean and hurt us or break us in two with your bare hands. And Reiner said, so when did you start worshipping the Lord? And Brooks said, well, one day a big thunderstorm came up and a lightning bolt hit Phil and we gathered around and we saw that Phil was dead. And then we said to one another, there's something bigger than Phil. Most people of St. Timothy's, I'm here to tell you there is something bigger than Phil. And that something would be the awesome God we've come to worship this morning. The God who commands first place in our lives. You know, sometimes a good test of stewardship is finding out what you'd be willing to give up to possess it. For the Israelites in the days of Jesus, you might say that the temple had become their master. And I'm sure we have all placed things other than God at the top of our list. For some, it might be business. For others, it might be money. For others, it might be sports. You know, there's a story of a husband and a wife who are on the ninth green when suddenly she collapses from a heart attack. God bless her. She groans to her husband, help me, dear, help me. The husband gets on the phone, calls 911, talks for a few minutes, picks up his putter and lines up his putt. His wife raises her head off the green and stares at him. I'm dying here and you're putting? Don't worry, dear, said the husband calmly. They found a doctor on the second hole and he's coming to help you. Well, how long will it take for him to get here, she asks feebly. The husband says, no time at all. Everybody's already agreed to let him play through. 
Now, no, no. Now, I would say that he wrongfully placed golf at the top of his list. And I have to say that I love the game of golf, getting out there away from everything, away from all the troubles where all we have to deal with are our own inadequacies. And if for whatever reason the game of golf was about to be canceled in all the world, the powers that be, they came to me, gave me some kind of task that I could undertake to save the game of golf, then I would try to do it. If they asked me to collect uh, for them a million dollars, I would do my best to make that happen. If they asked me to collect 10,000 signatures on a petition, deliver it right to the front door of the PGA office, I would do that. If they asked me for my pinky finger, I would, wait a minute. No, I couldn't do that because I, I used those. But I would give some finger if I needed to. And I would do it because I don't want to see the game of golf go away, right? It's close to the top of my list. But what if the Brussels sprout farmers of the world We're about to stop harvest for the 2021-22 year of Brussels sprouts, the crop. What if the farmers got together and said, Stan, only you can save this crop of Brussels sprouts this year. But to save the crop, you have to crawl on your hands and knees from Houston to Washington, D.C. Start laughing and say, are you kidding? No way. I'm not going to do that. Okay, they say, "What, what about from Houston to Tennessee? And I say, no, I'm not doing that. What about Houston to Oklahoma? And I say, no, I'm not doing that. They say, what about from St. Timothy's to Taco Bell? No, I'm not going to even do it that, 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 that close. Why? Because I couldn't care less, right? I don't care if I ever see another Brussels sprout ever in my life again. In other words, a good test of stewardship is finding out what you would be willing to give up to possess it. Now, obviously, Brussels sprouts are not my master. I could care less. Golf may be a little bit close, too close. But for the true follower of Christ, Jesus has to be our master. Christ Jesus has to be at the top of the list. We have to do anything, go anywhere, say anything, give up anything for abundant life today and eternal life tomorrow. One more prediction. The disciples of Jesus, us, were walking out of the temple, out of the church in Spring, Texas. Someone says, do you see this building? It is truly a gift from God. Yes, we had to do a lot of major repairs. We've repaired most of the roof leaks. We were gifted with resources and blessed to be able to pay our mortgage debt but most of all God is in this place and I predict that this church along with all of her disciples who grow here through the grace of God will become a beacon of God's light will become a beacon of God's love calling people in this community to the only God worth following, Jesus Christ, our Lord.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.